The inbounds pass comes into Jordan. Here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Good! The Bulls win it! They win it! Michael Jordan hits it at the foul line. One to 100. Lead pass. Welcome to episode three of the new Three Alphas podcast. My name is Joe. I am joined by the other two Alphas, Dan Meehan and Ross Reed. What's up, boys? Yo, yo. Good morning, friends. It is a good late, morning. because before morning, we start, early afternoon? I don't know. Yeah, it is for me. <laughs> is for me. I'm a night owl. I, I work at NBC Sports Chicago, so we work late hours. So I'm used to staying up till like 3 a.m. and waking up a little bit later. But it's all good. Dan gave me a wake-up call at like 10.30 to make sure we were ready to roll this morning, and I really appreciated it, because who knows if I would actually woke up. Hello? <laughs> who, I know. who is this? Uh, it is a good morning, though, because before we started recording, uh, Dan brought up a good point that today is the ninth nine-year anniversary, right, of yep. Derrick Rose winning the MVP award, the youngest MVP ever, and if anyone knows anything about me... I'll speak for myself here. I'm a big D Rose stan, always have been. I remember watching him at uh, Simeon when I was in high school. He's the same age as me, which is pretty cool. So watching him come up and learning about him, and like he was like a myth. And then through college and getting, you know, picked by the Bulls and all that. So for me, that was pretty dope. Uh, just watching him ascend from prep star to Chicago hero, and that entire. Like mythos, I guess you could say. So it's pretty awesome to look back. And it's already, it's, it seems like it's been longer than nine years. I don't know if you guys feel the same well, way. Well, I think the, the, the trials and tribulations of which he's gone through since that MVP season kind of add to that feeling of, God, this feels so much longer than just, excuse me, nine years ago. It definitely feels more than nine years ago since, like, <laughs> the Bulls were facing off in the heat and those epic, like, um, you know, playoff battles and in the Eastern Conference Finals and stuff like that. It feels like ages ago since that team was was put together. Um, you know, it feels like LeBron has like been to like four different places since then, and Derrick Rose has been all over the map too. So it's just like, well, I mean, just, so much has changed. And put it in perspective, the name of our podcast, which we derived from the Three Alpha era, was the first year of Fred Hoiberg. That's five years ago. Yeah. So just kind of puts it in perspective. Yeah, that's crazy. So. <laughs> the uh, well, for a while there, the um, uh, the downfalls of being a Bulls fan, right? It's everything felt forever. And a lot of the last five years, the Bulls have missed the playoffs, and they were set to do it again. No, nah, now with this team, now with Jim Boylan at the helm, 
I don't know what you're talking about. There well, we yeah, he again. For, he coached under Greg Popovich. <laughs> Did he really? He never he never what? talks about that. Um, so in this episode, we're not gonna talk last dance because there's some big news that happened uh, on Friday. Or well, not on Friday, it was announced on Friday, but earlier last week, earlier this week. That was Sunday, actually earlier. So Sunday's the start oh, of a new week, right? Breathe and speak. Sunday right. is the start of a new week, right? <laughs> so technically it was last week. Sort of- Yep. Sunday is the start of the new work week, yes. Mr. Mr. Mark Eversley got the call from our tourist, Karnaschovas, on Sunday night after our tourist was watching The Last Dance and got emotional and decided to make the move that night. So, so yeah, it's one, a week ago to the yes. day. Right. Or almost to the day. We're like six days away. Or six days out. Because he did it that night. So. Right. I have a. I want to ask our church. Was it because of the last dance, or was it because Monday was your birthday? You really didn't want to have to work on your birthday. <laughs> um, well, he been, you never know. He might have been in the bag and emotional <laughs> from the. <laughs> and he was bringing in his birthday early. He called. He called up everything. Like, hey, Mark. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just made him Tom from Mount Greenwood, but. <laughs> it's your job. Is yours. I'm GM the Bulls. <laughs> this is a birthday present to myself. Uh, so, yeah, Mark Eversley, man. I think, uh, I don't know for you guys, but it, it was between uh, Mark Hughes, the two Marks, Mark Hughes from the Clippers and Mark Eversley for me, of the the of the known GM candidates. Those are the two for me. I preferred Eversley once I found out he had those Nike ties because I thought that was really interesting about him. So I was really happy. But we're... Um, were you guys at on the search, on the hire, and kind of this entire process? Because we didn't find out any info. The only info we really found out was that Michael Finley interviewed from a Dallas like Dallas reporter. Other than that, it was completely locked down. And nobody knew when anything was coming. And it just kind of popped up out of the blue that Eversley was hired. Yeah, and I, I kind of, you know, number one, I kind of like that Arturis already is kind of, uh, he, he runs a tight ship. Um, and I expect that to continue. I, I'm sure as he gets used to his role in Chicago, you'll see, you know, one reporter or two kind of, uh, get on the inside. I, I would, you know, put all bets on Casey Johnson, Casey. obviously, cause he's the, he's the Bulls guy. Sam Smith will get a lot of information too, but you know, I, I'm sure Eversley himself is going to latch on to a, a, a younger, uh, you know, reporter, maybe in the city or something like that. Um, you know, even like if like Hoge or something like that does some some bull stuff again. Um, but going back to to the whole process, um, you know, they they casted a pretty solid net. You know, the guy from L.A., the guy from from Orlando. Um, you talked about Michael Finley, and, and then Eversley was the guy that they landed on. I mean, it seems like they landed on the right guy. It seems like uh, Carnage Sovis um, is a great uh, kind of team builder, talent evaluator really grinds it out in terms of watching the tape and, and scouting and stuff like that. And Eversley himself has has hit some home runs on some guys that he's fallen in love with throughout the NBA that I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about. But, you know, Eversley is, is also a, a people guy. He builds relationships. Uh, he did that at Nike. Um, he continued to do that throughout the NBA. He's really close to guys like Vince Carter, uh, you know, loves um, obviously Dame Lillard, who, who was, he was a big fan of coming out of college and stuff like that. So I think the two together work very well. And then when you throw in the, the guy that they signed from um, from the from the Pelicans, their capologist, so to speak, and the Bulls all of a sudden have a pretty solid three headed monster front office um, 
that should, uh, you know, hopefully uh, with a with a good process of scouting, relationship building, uh, and throw some analytics in there. Throw you know some salary implications in terms of not spending too much on guys. And I feel good about the direction that they're going in. Ross, do you think before I kick it to you, Dan? Do you think that there's going to be like more at the top of this this regime as far as because Cowley brought up like a three hundred monster because they interviewed Austin Brown, the, the agent from CAA. Do you think it's set now and it's going to filter down to like scouting and analytics, or do you think they're going to add maybe another piece at the top there? I I think your two big guys are set. So I think Karnaschovas and Eversley are going to be the two guys um, that are going to be the 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 leaders and the voices behind the Bulls. I think they'll hire in some some more assistant GMs to kind of help with, um, you know, like the analytics and the scouting. Um, Colonel Chauvis is a big um, overseas guy, so he might tap into that department even more and really build that side because, as we know, um, you know, overseas prospects are huge now in the NBA. But I think the two big guys are set. I think the, there's one key guy that we're missing that we'll talk about later, and that would be the head coach. I, I think the head coach also has to have a dominant personality uh in this organization but you know we'll we'll discuss about the head coach head coaching situation in a little bit so i mean i think you guys both kind of touched on it really well and i'm going to be reiterating some stuff the the relationship thing in today's nba matters more than ever and like as you said the guy was he started out at nike for his 10-year run as a as a store manager Literally every part of working in a retail store is building relationships with not only your crew on site, but it's building relationships with your customer base and the your stock, not your stockholders, but your uh, your stockers. Where like when your shipments and stuff are coming in, and make sure your stuff is available. Um, it's so he's he's obviously the more. I think he's going to be your mouthpiece, so to speak. I don't think you're going to hear from Arturas very much going forward in terms of like just daily operations and stuff like that. Um, you're going to hear from him probably around draft time after free agency. And that's going to be a kind of like Ryan Pace's for the bears where Ryan Pace kind of just disappears for months at a time. And then he'll show up and here he is. Hello. I'm, I've, I've emerged from my office with my fancy hair, but it's, you're just in this now you're not to Ross's point with, with uh, the capologist and Karnaschovas and Connolly running the who's probably their big scouting guy and then Eversley who's now their GM you're now in the modern NBA front office I don't know if there's any other assistant GMs to come but I think you're going to start seeing like through the capologist and through through the scouting like more more uh like smaller title guys that still have pull with statistical analysis sabermetrics for lack of a better term and then like your specialty scouting and then player development, because that was one thing that I've noticed in one of the articles I read that Eversley couldn't believe that he got here, and they had one dude developed devoted to player development, which is ridiculously small. Like player development teams are normally, to my knowledge, like four or five people, if not more. It kind of hits you a little bit differently when when in a, your, your new GM is like they were doing this. It's like for him to talk about it, it like coming in to see it had to like blow his mind because usually a new guy is not going to talk too much about the old regime. When he came in and said, they only have one dude. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> uh, one guy. What, I wonder what was really going through his head at that moment and kind of what, what he's seeing. And he had some other comments too um, about, you know, like about players and things like that. And one that stuck out, uh, stood out for me was, was Lowry 
and uh, some of the other guys, like he pretty much said they kind of regressed. And I'm interested to learn more about that. It's like, so he had some, I try not to take too much away from press conferences. I don't I think you guys are probably the same too, because it's a lot of lip service. It's a lot of PR, but I think you can pick up some stuff by things that either aren't said or things that are, are said and you can read between the lines. And for him to say like, I want to find out more about why these guys regressed. I think he knows, but to come out and say something like that is just another. It's it's just like he, he's throwing he's throwing he's throwing arrows. He's shooting arrows at like how things were done. That's how I kind of took it. And and we know uh, why I'm, people regressed. Yeah, we absolutely we do. know why people regressed. We do, for sure. Um, I just I I see the process. Who knows if it's going to work out? You know, you never know, right? Um, because with these, uh, these assistant GMs or these uh, vice presidents of player personnel, there's not a lot of transparency into what they do is kind of the concern with Michael Finley. It's like, what the hell is he doing in Dallas? We don't know. But the more that came out about Eversley and, uh, it, it just, it piqued my interest. I was, I'm kind of curious now who the hell is he not tied into in the NBA? He's got, so for those who don't know, uh, what Dan was talking about, what Ross talked Started off at Nike, store manager. He'd worked his way up to spearhead their brand relationships with, with NBA athletes. Uh, he was one of the higher-ups for there, and he established relationships with Elton Brand, correct? Gary Payton, Steve Nash, and Steve Steve Francis were the four big ones that he had. And then he comes out, he liked Dame Willard. He liked Paul George. He's tight with Joel Embiid. In MBE. He, he scouted and really liked DeMar DeRozan, who he's still tight with. Um, Matisse Thybul from Boston. It's like more stuff every day comes out that he's connected to somebody. And Mike McGraw talked about um, how that's not going to his Nike relationships are not going to um, net a big free agent. Well, OK, but I think there's there's a thread there that shows that he can establish high like high relationships with high caliber athletes. That's what's going to matter. That's what the Nike like tie in. That's what piques my interest personally. It's not that just because of that, it's going to happen. It's he has a skill set to do that. And to sell this opportunity, I don't know if you guys feel the same way. I, I think I, what you're getting yeah. at is right. Yeah. What does it end? I said I think what he's getting at is exactly right. You're not trying. You're not bringing. If you're bringing a guy like Embiid here, for instance, say say they trade for Embiid, or, or are able to extend Embiid for whatever reason when his contract is up in the next few years, and he, he's brought to Chicago, a, a player of that magnitude doesn't need a shoe deal. You know, they've already got the shoe deal. I think what Joe is getting at is because he's got these relationship building skills and the ability to resonate with some of these guys and clearly is trust. I think he's Vince Carter's daughter's godfather or something like that. Stood up at his wedding, too. Yeah, like this guy, like he knows how to how to resonate with with NBA athletes. And it's partially due to that time working at Nike, obviously. Yeah, I think um, I think one of the most overrated, I think one of the most dumbest things that people say in sports or like coaches say in sports is that, you know, we we treat everybody the same around here. We treat every athlete the same. That is the most ridiculous bullshit. Ludicrous. Say. Ludicrous. You do not treat the the number one player on your team the same as the number twelve player on your team, right? You, you, you know, we you know we've been watching the Jordan doc and Phil Jackson literally let Dennis Robin go to Vegas on a bender for 48 hours because he knew that he knew that he needed that. 
and that would make the team better and you treat your stars a different way. He wouldn't let Dickie Simpkins go on a on a bender for 48 hours. He'd tell you, go are, shut your ass up and show practice. Are you besmirching the good name of Dickie Simpkins? Dickie Simpkins. I, I threw that one in there. Corey Blunt. About, he wouldn't let Corey Blunt show up to, to What to about practice. Corey Benjamin? <laughs> Corey Benjamin, yes. I think Corey Benjamin went to Oregon, if I remember correctly. Um but yes, I like you. You can't you you can't like walk around acting like you treat everybody the same. Star star athletes uh, look for preferential treatment. They they like to build relationships with people. They like to go where they they uh, where they trust and where they feel you know welcome stuff like that. And Mark Eversley is is that guy. The Bulls have not attracted a very large name free agent in this city since ever since like you know you know not ever because everybody else that they drafted. Everybody else they had was a star was either drafted or acquired uh, via trade. I mean, you could technically say Ben Wallace was that guy, maybe because you know they 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 signed him when he was uh, you know as a big name. But boy, he was a mess and he, and he fell apart quickly in Chicago. But the Paul Gasols of the world, the Carlos Boozers of the world, when the Bulls got him, they were the second fiddle. They were the uh, the the consolation prize to the Carmelo Anthony's or. LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris and Bosch. free agents. Yeah, to your point, Ross. The Bulls and free agency are always the bridesmaid. They're never the the bride. Yeah, I they remember both. when. <laughs> yeah, I remember when Jerry Krause showed up to O'Hare Airport to meet Tracy Grady with balloons and Benny the Bill, Benny the Bull. Like, what the fuck are you doing? That 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 just that doesn't work. These guys want to be like flown in on a private jet and like rent out the back room at like Swift and Sons or something like that. And not Chuck E. Cheese. Not Chuck E. Cheese. That's just not how it works. Chucky, though. I mean, Chucky, Chucky and Benny, I think that seals the deal. So now you got a guy in place that, that knows how that operation works, knows how that back channeling works, knows how to wine and dine uh, big name guys. And I fully expect for the Bulls to land one here within the next, uh, you know, two to three years. Ross, I'm going to challenge you on not challenge it but i'm going to follow up on that who you think they can land but for like to go back to like the whining and dining type stuff does it feel to you guys like the, the bulls were in the hunt right for tracy mcgrady they're in the hunt for eddie jones they're in the hunt for um mellow they're in the hunt for the heatles but it never felt like looking back that they were actually at the table they felt like they had the invite like because you know it's like you they they were invited to the wedding but they weren't really wanted at the does that make sense like they're always the bridesmaid they're never the bride they're always there to look pretty because they're the big market team they've got the six pretty banners and you can use them as leverage of hey i've got chicago in the room the problem is and i think it goes back to that jerry Krause quote and that's what getting away from paxton and everything all together is done is organizations don't win championships. You can say it till you're blue in the face, like, oh, the organization won the championship. Yeah, the Bulls have six titles. You know who really got you six titles? 23 and 33. Dick, Dickie Simpkins. Dickie Simpkins. You're damn right. <laughs> no, 23 and 33 got you those titles. Th- those titles never happen without those guys. Nope, because they didn't exist. They're not like the Celtics or Lakers who existed we've before. We've seen good teams put together by an organization. We've seen the Baby Bulls. They were solid, hardworking teams. We've seen the Derrick Rose-led Bulls. Again, damn good basketball teams. But the problem is when number six in Miami takes is, is, bit, is bigger and faster and stronger than your number one and your next best scoring option is Luol Deng, it doesn't matter. 
They were, the Bulls were always the, the after Jordan and Pippen. The Bulls were always one player away. They were always that guy. Add you know whether it's Wade or Bosh onto the the Bulls or LeBron onto that Bulls team with Rose, or you add I don't even know who was available during the Ben Wallace free agency, but add another guy onto that team, and it's a different story. Yeah, I mean it's it's simple. Like they they need a star. Stars attract stars. Stars want to play with other stars. Stars text text other stars and vacation with other stars and say hey we should do this and do that. Once the Bulls get one star then all of a sudden you'll find how easy it is to get number two and number three. But they need to land the first one. And it'd be nice if they can at least draft a fringe star. I don't know if, if, if Zach Levine is a fringe star. We tend to believe that he's a good number three, maybe even a sixth man on the championship caliber team. You know, Kobe White is probably a, a, a good heater guy off the bench on a championship caliber team, kind of like a Leandro Barbosa kind of guy, some, you know, something like that. But the Bulls need a star. They, they need to go out there and get one of these guys who is already established as a star and is looking to kind of like take their their brand to the next level in a big city like Chicago that has, you know, the Mag Mile and the Jordan store and restaurants galore. And, you know, you know, some of the, the top five, you know, uh, highest, you know, real estate zip codes in the country, that kind of thing. Right. Like I can totally see a guy like Ben Simmons coming to Chicago and say, look, I'm going to make this city my own. I'm going to buy myself a, you know, three flat in the West loop. And I'm just going to, I'm going to be that guy in Chicago because really there isn't that guy who, who's that guy in Chicago from an is, athlete standpoint. Is that right Ross now? Reed calling a shot? Is that, yeah. did I just hear I, a shot call? Listen, if, if Joe was going to ask me who the number one guy would be. And for me, Top of my board would be it'd be one of the Philly guys. It'd be either. What, or I, I was see. I was leaning in feed. I know where you're going, but why do you think that, Ross? I, I well, obviously the the obvious obviously to Philly connection is there. I think those two guys are really damn good basketball players, but I think they suck together because I think Ben Simmons needs complete spacing on the court to in order to do his work, and I think Embiid uh, you know causes that a problem which forces Embiid out to the perimeter, and he takes too many threes, for my opinion, for a guy that's seven feet. I don't mind him taking threes, but he should also be posting up. He should be doing a lot of pick and roll, a lot of pick and pop. And they just can't do that with, with both of their skill sets. They, you know, In hindsight, they're two dynamic basketball players, but they don't really work well together. But I love Ben Simmons' game. I think he has an opportunity to, to be somewhere in between a, a, a Giannis and LeBron type of player, um, if he was on a different team. And we've seen it with LeBron, right? What does LeBron do with his seven-footers? Chris Bosh ended up being a three-point shooter. Kevin Love ended up going out to the, to, to the three-point line. LeBron needs that kind of spacing. So does Ben Simmons. He needs to get away from MB to do that. But, you know, you ask me, I would take either guy right now. No problem. To Ross's point real quick about, you know, the spacing and, and even going to, to pace, because that's a big, not Ryan pace, NBA pace. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I crack myself up sometimes. <laughs> Dan just fell, I think about Dan just fell off. Of, uh, you know, we're really fired up here about the ability of our pace. Somebody said, like, I just before I get to the actual NBA pace, but somebody said uh, it might have been Dan Bernstein that said uh, Ryan Pace sounds like he's got a stuffed up nose all the time. That yes. he just can't say. And <laughs> 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 now I can't unhear it anytime he talks. Uh, what do you? Where do you think the the seventy sixers ranked in in pace NBA pace this year? Oh, and was uh, it higher? And was it higher or lower than the Bulls? 
I'm going to say it was lower than the Bulls. It is lower than the Bulls. I was going to say, I think they're probably 25th and lower than the Bulls. Yeah. They're ni- the 19th and the Bulls are 16th. So yeah. to that point, to that point, uh, Eversley wants to play fast, right? Well, he can't to, to what Ross is saying because MBE, he's a big motherfucker. He's big. He, he, it, that's the problem with some of these big guys. It's like you want to run him up and down the floor, but they have a hard time doing well, it. I mean, it, you bring that up, but Arturis Karnashovas said at the same time he wants to run p- the modern pace and space stuff. I think Denver's dead last in pace. 29th. So, so, that's it. so his idea – so it's interesting because I didn't know that because he wants to build, right? He wants to build this this archetype of, of pace and space and fast play and finding shooters. Uh, like the, the, the typical uh, – like Daryl Morey analytic NBA, a three-point shooting and – Basket or buckets close to the basket, but in Denver he didn't build that, and it was because of Jokic, right? It had to be. Yeah, I was gonna say if if Jokic shows up to Chicago, are you really caring about pace and space? Or are you caring Hell about no. you got Nikola Jokic man in the middle? You should be adapting your your philosophy to the players that, that you have, well, because the players matter more than your scheme. <laughs> so who do you um? So bet you want Ben Simmons, right, Ross? Who do you, Dan? If you could uh, call a if, shot right now. If I could call a shot, I think the more logical one is probably Simmons, just because I think Embiid has endeared himself to that organization in that town. If I had to pick the one I would prefer, just because of the marketability of him, and I think he's kind of a unicorn in and of himself, I think Embiid's a hell of a player. And I think he would own this town marketing-wise. He's this big, gregarious guy. He's awesome at his job and he he i don't think he takes himself too seriously really like you see him on these like commercials and stuff he's able to kind of make fun of himself but i think the more attainable one is probably simmons if you're willing to part with it okay i'll, I'll go i'll go full-on bulls kool-aid and i'll say they're gonna make a run at Giannis and and nab him and full fully expect to look like an idiot when they don't but <laughs> That's but don't guy, worry, because they're going to pair Ben Simmons with Jokic after 2023. That'd be all right. Yeah, I, I'd be down with that. With you know, the weird thing about, three match about, players. The weird thing about all that is, you know, this this quarantine thing really um, it kind of puts a damper on, on a lot of the free agency stuff because mm-hmm. the salary cap now will go down next season because the the revenue was not as high as it was last year. Which, you know, now you got to take a look at that dynamic next year and the year after. What does the salary cap situation look like? Are, you know, I, I think you might see a guy like, you know, can Giannis make the same amount of money if he leaves or something like that? It's going to be really interesting to see what these guys decide to do with that salary cap implication. I think Philly needs to just tear their roster down almost in well, this offseason the, he, because the, they're, the, they're also paying Tobias Harris a shit ton of money, too. The other part of it that I think you can and factor Apple. in, what is what does it make the value of someone like Levine then if the cap goes down a little bit? Oh, sure. In a, in a trade. Sure. He's cost-controlled for two more years and cheap. It's, it's why I kind of lead, lean Ben Simmons, right? Because Philly could say, all right, we're going to rebuild this thing around Embiid and we're going to put ball-handling shooting around him. Well, that essentially is Tobias Harris and Zach Levine. Whereas if you take a guy like Ben Simmons – and you hear Mark Eversley say, look, there's something there with Larry Marketing. He regressed, but player development shitty. I think he could be good. I think he could be good on the perimeter. 
Um, he probably plays better with a guy like Ben Simmons. I can promise you Kobe White uh, 100% would play better with Ben Simmons because Ben just wants to play fast and get the ball to shooters or he wants to attack the lane. He and, needs- and, t- and to be fair, your two bigs that matter, Wendell and, and Lowry, move well. Yes. They're not lumbering 100%. slow bigs. They move yes. really well. And they, yes. fit, no. they, they fit, I think those two guys, uh, Lowry and Wendell, fit the mold of what Eversley and well, Arturis were talking about the best based off of the ability to pass, unselfishness, the ability to shoot. Um, protecting a rim is kind of hard for a guard, but to, to that degree, I think Lowry can, if he nuts up defensively, can yeah. protect. And he can but switch. If you're, if you're getting Simmons, you're, you're parting with one of them, with Levine. That's the nature of it. You what now? What would a deal look like? What would a deal look like for if you were instead of Lowry? To be honest with you, I mean, look, Kobe White. You know, I I know. You know, he's got his flaws and stuff like that. But whose stock was higher when we went into this quarantine on the Bulls than Kobe White's? Uh, He was. He he had like game heater. Yeah, he had like thirty. He had like eight thirty point games. I mean, he was he was on fire and. You know, a lot of teams they they fall in love with a guy that can just put the ball in the hole, right? Like, you know, he he certainly he's got his flaws. His ball handling is not there. Um, you know, he's not as as athletic laterally as as I would like. But um, the, the kid can go on a heater anytime you want, and he's got some upside. He's young, and he's still on a rookie deal, and that's probably the most important part of the whole thing is the guy is still on a rookie deal. Um, so they might, you know, you might look and say, look, we'll give you Ben Simmons. For Zach, Kobe, and your 2020 pick, you saying yes? Yeah, probably yeah. without much hesitation. Then I pro- if it really required 2021 and with some protections on him, I'd probably do that too. Because it's like people fall in love with the draft picks, and um, and it's like, easy. To, it's it's really easy to dog Ben, and it's easy to dog Ben Simmons because he can't shoot. Right. It is. Instead, and he's really freaking good. That's the thing, you know. Yeah, and that's a, to your point, Dan. De- yeah, he can defend one through five. He makes plays yeah. for other players, and he can get to the basket. You, you yes. know, if if his worst flaw is that he can't shoot, and he's a six nine point guard, whoopty shit. Right. He's like he's a tall Jason Kidd. Yeah, and Kidd, you know, to maybe I don't know if Ben can do it, but Kidd developed that three ball. Late in his career, people forget how good of a shooter kid became. I think he's up there, right? Three point numbers, like with one of some of the best of all time. He's t- top ten. Is he top maybe 10? all time made? I don't percentage nowhere near. No, no, I'm saying, but like coming in versus like where he started and where he ended up, he became a respectable. He certainly got a lot better. Yeah, when he state. was in Dallas when they won, he got a lot better. And he was a spot up guy, right? He wasn't a great. <laughs> what are you laughing at? I just looked up the NBA all time three point list. <laughs> your one and two are your ones you would exactly expect. It's it's Ray Allen and Reggie. Mm-hmm. Number three is Steph, and he's not even done. It's he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna knock that stat so far into oblivion. It's gonna be ridiculous. Jason Kidd is number ten. He made almost two thousand in his career. He made nineteen hundred and eighty-eight. All right. Jason Jason Kidd needs to be on a lot more top five all-time point guard lists. I, I know that we can – there's a ton of names that you can throw out there for that list, but that guy, I mean, look, he, he, brought some, really... he brought some jersey teams to the finals that had no business being in the NBA finals. Him and Vince, yeah. 
Who else is on that team? Jefferson and Kmart, right? Kerry Kittles, man. Oh, Kerry Kittles. Absolutely, yep. <laughs> Don't you dare disparage the name of Kerry Kittles in my world. <laughs> no, I would, uh, I would 100% pull the trigger because I think fans kind of overvalue draft picks and assets. And that's something that Danny Ainge got kind of harped on, too, was that he never wanted to part with a draft pick or a player to upgrade. And then you sign – and look, I think Jalen Brown's a really good player. I don't know what Jason Tatum is. I think he's got the upside. Maybe he's finally figuring it out. But he was, he's been unable to land that guy, that star player, because he would hoard and hoard and, and want too much back. So if you've got an opportunity to – to move a couple core pieces in a first round pick, it may sound like an overpay, but you get back a star player. And I would rather have the burden of hand than hoping for a lottery hit, like for the next Zion or the next Morant, because you don't know. I'd rather have that guy now, personally. Right. That's what we talked about a couple of minutes ago, right? You get one star, and one star attracts two stars. Two stars attracts three stars. And all of a sudden, if you get a guy like Ben Simmons, then all of a sudden, maybe it's a Bradley Beal or a Devin Booker, and they're looking, they're saying, look, Man, Chicago's looking real nice right now. I got to, you know, find me a way to get over there. Or, you know, even if it's a Donovan Mitchell down the line or something like that. Although I don't think Donovan Mitchell and Ben Simmons would play well together. But, you know, it, these guys are going to want out of their situation. There's going to be a, a, at least 10 guys around the league that are going to want out of their current situation. Oh, there's next one time. in Phoenix right now. Booker yes. wants to be gone. Yeah, Booker, yeah, Beal. I think Carl Anthony Towns is not going to want to stay there. Despite the fact that they do have the uh, D'Angelo uh, Russell, yep. I think um, Donovan Mitchell is is not a long term guy in in Utah because who who wants to stay in Utah, you know? Carl, Carl. Hey, don't be don't be hating Salt Lake City, man. I I, I it's a I've heard it's I've a beautiful been. city. It's actually on my list to go to, but there's a difference between wanting to stay there as an athlete and build your brand, right? And in terms of like. Gordon Hayward was the most Utah athlete of all time, and even he left. Are you saying that because he's a white guy? Yes. Yeah. Hell, 100%. 100%. He, got the, he got the glow up. He had the, he had the fresh haircut. He's like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. I'm not staying in Utah. <laughs> he took his shit to Boston. But like, it's like in uh, college recruiting, um, that one five-star can – because for a lot of players, they're followers – too. They're not trendsetters. They're not trailblazers. Trailblazers also Lillard, maybe, uh, down the line. If he, you know, if nah. Portland can't upgrade. If Portland can't upgrade, though, you know, he's always said he wants to fight and do stuff. But you get towards the end of your career, the twilight of your career, and you're not competing for a title. I wonder how much that changes for somebody. And I, if, think, he's a, I think he's a Portland lifer. Maybe. Potentially. Maybe I, think, I, I, think he wants, I think he wants to be. It's just a matter of if his team can't compete. You know, does the pressure of winning a title and competing for a title and actually getting into the NBA Finals, how much does that play into? And he wouldn't – I don't think he'd be viewed as a traitor by the Blazers fans. I mean, he stayed there. He had a chance to leave, and he didn't, and he tried. And, you know, who knows? But some a lot of athletes are, or a lot of NBA players are followers, too. They want to see psychology because they want to see that first domino fall. And it's like, oh, oh, now I believe in it. You have to have some – not blind faith – but I guess, yeah, in a sense, blind faith towards an organization as an athlete. And the Bulls have to find that guy in free agency who's willing to take the plunge and to, to buy what they're selling. And hopefully that then attracts guys who may be a little bit more gun shy about joining Chicago. Yep. So, yeah, absolutely. 
one thing they would have to do, obviously, as we kind of transition a little bit, is they would uh, they would need to replace the head coach. Oh, oh. oh Greg Popovich. You mean uh, Greg Popovich 2.0? Yes, uh, Jim Popovich. <laughs> Jim. Jim. Pop- oh, oh, God. Vinny Del Boylan. Uh, you got you guys want whoever wants to lead it off, go ahead because I know we have all have pretty much a similar thoughts on it, and B are just so sick and tired of okay the idea that he's uh, gonna stay. I'm just going to start this right here. Jim Boylan is not your coach going into the next year. You can tell me until you're blue in the face, or they can, Joe Colley can tweet about it. Everyone can say until they're blue in the face that, oh, he's going to get a fair shot. You know what a fair shot is? Him finishing out this year, then meeting him face-to-face saying, thanks, but no thanks. You can take you and your bald head ass out the door. Maybe go back to Utah, see if you can coach the Utes again. But they probably won't even have you because, you know, you're bad at your job. Um, <laughs> now, the list of who they could get to potentially replace him, that could be miles long. It could be five names long. We have no idea. But I just don't think that there's any way this guy survives. Now, I do agree. I think Joe termed him a cockroach in our pre-show talking. But I plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I called him a cockroach. Fine. Um, I just don't think there's any way this guy can survive this. This is a whole turnover of it's a brand new regime. No one has any tie to him. And on top of that, the team got worse under him. They got more talent, but got worse. That's not how NBA building goes. No, and, and Darnell Mayberry had that article that outlined a lot of scenarios like Golden State when uh, Bob Myers replaced the. Uh, pre-existing regime and when um the philadelphia boys came in and took over mark jackson and golden state stayed on brett brown stayed on and there are other examples too but the thing is those guys are, are actually could coach they weren't the laughing stock of the league they weren't a joke like they could actually hold their own and their teams were performing well i can't remember about brett brown but mark jackson's teams the guys were growing with him. Say whatever you want about him, but his teams were actually performing on the court and made the playoffs. So that's the difference. I think a big, I think a big key to the whole situation too. That I think people are kind of forgetting is the Bulls will not play in another meaningful game until December, right? So even if hypothetically the NBA comes back in late June. And they try and get everybody to 70 games because the owners don't want to give back that regional TV money. It means the Bulls will have five games left. That's fine. Let, let Jim Borlin finish out those five games. But that literally means you've got a solid six months to do your homework, do the groundwork, and find yourself you know, a head coach. Now, obviously, they'd want that guy in place by the time the draft hits, which the draft will probably be in sometime in, in September. But you know, the, you can't tell me that Karnaschovas and Eversley aren't already doing their legwork leg work right now on their next head coach. I think Jim Borland, at the very least, finishes out those five games if the Bulls get that. If not, then they'll let him go sometime during the offseason. But they have so much time right now to kind of get their their house in order and get their shit you know, squared away. So by the time that the Bulls tip off again in December – They've got a structure and a plan and a new guy already set in place. I just don't think there's any way that he that he's the head coach again uh, coming in December. I, I don't I don't see it. Well, no, it's 
to your point, Ross, it's not, it's not even just he's bad at his job. It's a complete lack of respect thing. The players don't like him. Opposing coaches don't like him. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes him. And he's he makes the organization. I mean, you talk about taking the organization to you know that premier oh, level. Sorry, Michael Reinsdorf likes him. Michael Reinsdorf Michael. likes him. Um, you know he he makes the Bulls the laughing stock of the league. Like he he embarrasses your brand. And, you know, I think on some level, Jim Boylan knows basketball and knows coaching, but obviously his tactics are super outdated, you know, punching time clocks and three hour practices and, and, and all kinds of like, this isn't Hoosiers. Like, like, like that, that thing is, is long gone, right? Like, there's no way you can tell me a guy that was a, a high up executive in Nike is going to sit here and let his, one of his prize, you know, assets, Zach Levine, go through three hours of shoot around and punch a fucking time clock in the morning. Like Zach doesn't work at the home Depot. He's an NBA basketball player making $20 million a year. It's absolutely ludicrous. You're not going to attract the guy like Ben Simmons when the head coach calls a timeout 30 seconds left in the game and they're losing by 12. I actually forgot they had a pseudo time clock put in so they could physically punch the clock in and out. Ridiculous. This guy's an NBA head coach. Absolutely. <laughs> it's absurd. It's absurd. That's, we talked about treating players differently and stuff like that. You don't, that's absolutely ridiculous. I wouldn't even, for as shitty as Cristiano Felicio is, I would never in my wildest dreams tell Cristiano Felicio, hey, man, you got to punch a time clock this morning before you show up to practice. Get the fuck out of here. He's making like $12 million a year. <laughs> I think you killed Joe. I think you killed Joe. <laughs> That's great. Zach Levine does not work at the Home Depot. That's a fucking all-time line right there. Uh, guy, like, Jokes on you, Ross. In high school, he did work at the Home Depot. <laughs> I, did, I, did, I, I worked at the Home Depot. And I, I visited the Home Depot yesterday. No disrespect to them. They are amazing people. They helped me a lot yesterday with my petunias and, uh, and my soil that I needed for my dirt. But Zach Levine ain't punching a fucking time clock. And let's be honest, anybody who works there that's making, if they ever made $12 million a fucking year, is not punching a goddamn time clock either, man. (laughs) (laughs) That's fucking all time. I just completely lost my. Can you imagine just seeing Zach Levine come into the locker room at the the Advocate Center? I almost said the Birdo Center. (laughs) And he's just like looking at this like thing on the wall. (laughs) What the hell is this? Because <laughs> they took a pic- the the media took a picture of it, like it, it's real, it's fucking real, and I, it's, I'm I'm kind of glad that nobody got one of these players doing it because that would just be embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Like it's absolutely it, it's a joke, and then you have the um, Zach Levine at the end of timeout, the timeouts, the end of games, right? They're down twenty, and fucking here, Boylan is burning his house. Yeah. And, and I can't remember what Zach said, but if you read his lips, he goes, are you freaking kidding me? Or like, we're down 20. What are you doing? What the, like, what the fuck? It was something along the lines of what are you doing right now? This right. is a joke, man. And yeah, he can care about it. Um, the, the moment that stands out to me, I want to say they were playing the Suns and they ended up pulling it out in like the last 90 seconds where they sealed the victory. And Boylan goes to like the the mix of eight bowls on the floor, and not one of them acknowledges him, let alone mm-hmm. high fives him. Mm-hmm. It was like these dudes hate you. Right. 
You can't like, even get a high five or a fist bump from one of your players? What is this? And it's like, Curtis Shulvis and Eversley are smart. They, they talk to people around the NBA. They know this guy's reputation. They, they probably talk to the players by now. And, you know, the players might not want to throw him completely under the bus, but you get the vibe. Oh, exactly. you get the All you got to do is look at Twitter and, and, and read the stuff in the papers. These guys know where this team is at. They, they, Jim Boylan is one of the <laughs> biggest reasons why they got the job right now. Because I feel like if Hoiberg was still here, I think Garpax would still be in their jobs, to be honest with you. Because I think Hoiberg would at least have this team playing better than what they were and, and playing you know, more competent basketball. So yeah, these guys know that Jim Boylan is a big reason why they're here, which is why I think there's no way that you can keep that guy in their position. So I'm pretty sure they're already talking to, you know, they're trying to put out the feelers for the Adrian Griffins of the world, assistant, head, assistant coach in oh. Toronto. Emmy Udoka is the assistant in Philly right uh, now. He comes West, from the, the Popovich tree. Comes from the Popovich tree, man. Actually comes from the Popovich tree. Sure. Uh, we, uh, Wes Unsell Jr., the, West the, the head of the, the, – he's the lead assistant in Denver. Yep. Um, so, you know, I would, I would have a conversation with Becky Hammond, you know, ASAP. But how, about Ed, how about Ed Ray Messina? He was uh, under Pop for four or five years. Uh, he was a pop's lead assistant for four or five years, and then he went back over to Italy to coach. Okay, yep. Um, the guy that was fired, um, I, now his name is escaping me from, from the Nets, is out there as well. Uh, Kenny Atkinson. Kenny Atkinson. Um, and look, there's going to be some guys that, that might be on the streets too that they might have a conversation with because we don't, you know, there's going to be other front offices and teams that, that make changes too throughout this whole thing. There's also so, the uh, – Bulls going to uh, have options. Yeah, there's also um, Dave Jager. Dave Jager? Dave, is, is Jager or Jager? Jager. 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 Dave, Dave, Dave Jager. And, Mike, uh, Jeff Jager was a, was a place kicker for the Bears in the 90s. Yes, he was. D'Antoni <laughs> uh, might not survive Houston, you know? They, they, they might want to switch if up. If D'Antoni gets fired, you throw everything at him. <laughs> I Try don't before. care. Tried before, and then that's how they got um, Del Negro, right? Vinny Del Boylan. <laughs> yeah, that, that was uh, the offseason. They swung on D'Antoni, who went to the Knicks, and they tried to hire Doug Collins. They announced it, and ESPN put up a story on it. Then they backtracked on it, and then they wound up with Vinny Del Negro. I think that's how that. I forgot they tried to rehire Doug Collins. And there's an, e- there an ESPN freaking story about oh. it up on the main page. I remember that. God, Chicago and, and head coaching hires name a better duo. Yeah. Because didn't they do the same? Didn't the Bears do the same shit with Dave McGinnis? Dave McGinnis, <laughs> Dave McGinnis backed out though. He backed out last minute. You said name a better duo: Dickie Simpkins and Michael Jordan. Uh, Stacy King and Michael Jordan. The time they scored 60 62 together, and Michael had sixty of them. It's like that Kobe Kwame Brown joke of like the they scored eighty five together, and Kobe had the eighty one, and Kwame had freaking four. <laughs> um, no, I think. I, the, what we've got about maybe five more minutes in the pod, uh, so we appreciate everybody tuning in to our nonsense all the time. Well, my nonsense and Ross's intelligence and Dan, hey. Dan, you just bring a little bit of everything, man. I'm, I'm, I am what they call a Swiss Army knife. You're the glue guy. I do. I'm glue I'm, I'm all dang of the three alphas. I keep everything together, and and Ross showing us his calves. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but uh, I think 
part of the problem with Boylan right now. There, you know, this is not a knock on Joe Cowley. It's more the fact that you keep putting out this guy's, you know, his comments and his thoughts. Because Boylan is your source, Joe. He right. is, and you keep putting this stuff out there that if there's a real possibility he comes back, people are going to trust you, and you're riling up the fan base. What I don't give a shit. Pardon my no, actually not pardon my French. I don't give a shit what Jim Boylan thinks. What coach that wants to keep his job, what anybody who wants to keep his job is going to go tell a reporter, you know what? I think I'm fired. R.I.P. Like, no, it's not going to happen. Rip, He's gonna... rip the dream. <laughs> it's not going to happen, right? Did, did we get the uh, press release of Jim Boylan welcoming, welcoming Mark Eversley to the Bulls family? <laughs> did we get that God, press release? I, that, that, that shit got stopped. There's like no way that had's happening again. It's like every time his name comes up, the problem is you want fans to be patient, but when you fucking say his name, it's like Voldemort. It's like, <laughs> my God, just fire his ass already. They don't want to wait. Even though it's logical for them to wait, Bulls fans can't get their heads passed. This guy needs to go. I don't want to see him employed by the team anymore, and I kind of get it because there's no reason for Joe Cowley to be tweeting this stuff, man. There's, there's not. You just don't want, to bur- you don't want to burn your source. He likes to poke the Come bear, on. too. Callie has always been an agitator in Chicago. It's kind of why he, you know, kind of fell off a little bit out of the good graces of the city. He used to do it with the White Sox all the time. He used to tweet some some more outlandish stuff in the past. It's it's just kind of who he is. It's it's kind of why you know, I appreciate Callie because he adds a different perspective to things. And he does have his, his sources. I do, like you said, believe that Boylan has his sources. But, you know, when it comes to the logical information, I, I usually lean more towards um, what KC says from a local standpoint and then what you know the woges and the shams of the world are going to give you. 100% too. And yeah, I mean, it, what Mayberry came out and said, or Shams came out and said that the belief around the league and mm-hmm. league circles is that he's in trouble. His job right. is on the line. Well, yeah, I, I don't, not to disrespect the report or, or shit on Shams for it. It's just, we know. Like, it's just these false expectations are being put out there that he could be back. He's not going to be back. Right. Uh, if he's back, then Arturis and, and Mark Eversley aren't the guys. Right. Does anyone else picture boy. when Arturis is, like, walking around the Advocate Center to go find Boyle? He's just, like, like, he's like, he's like, like does this guy have a fucking easy button on his desk? What is this? He's hiding under his desk. He's in broom yeah, closets. Like, he doesn't want to be found because if you can't like a, find me, I can't be fired. He's got a red stapler like Milton from Office Space. <laughs> he's in the basement. He's have, like, well, this is my stapler, <laughs> and you can't use it. <laughs> <laughs> have you guys seen my film? Have you seen my, have you seen well, my time clock? <laughs> if you fire me, I'm just going to put the building up. <laughs> You guys are gonna kill me in this podcast, man. <laughs> he, the fi- when he finally is given his pink slip to leave, I'm gonna burn this place down. <laughs> they should just do that. They should just like not even fire him, but just like move his office to like lot B, and just like and just like keep it there. And he's just like, well, this is your office now. <laughs> it's, next to, it's next to where the guy sells peanuts in the program before the game. Congratulations. <laughs> you just station him down at the Billy Goat. This is this is where you're at. Have fun. And I, I would I'd be tempted to say you can stay on and work here if you work from this office, but I think he might take that offer. So I think I legit think he would be willing to do anything to keep his job. Could you imagine him giving scouting notes to like Mark Everson? <laughs> Here's what I got, sir. Or giving it to like fans as they walk by or like employees, just like giving them pieces of paper. Yeah. 
Are you going to see Mark today? Are you going to see Mark? Can you can you hand him this? <laughs> Talk to him. His analytics consist of TWTW. <laughs> oh my god, that, that's great! Oh Jesus. Um, <laughs> so as we uh, as we wrap up, what do we what do we think is next here? What do we think is the next move in the next couple weeks? Uh, Can anyone kick it off? Uh, yeah, I think you're probably going to see a head of analytics brought in, probably as your if there is a third GM or they're they're going to bring in like some sort of executive director of analytics. You might see him be brought in from Denver, or from Houston, or from Minnesota because they're all places that he's um, familiar with. Obviously, Denver. He was worked under Maury. He worked with the guy up in Minnesota as well at when he was with Houston. That'd be my next guess. So you're probably. We'll talk about it. I guarantee you we don't know his name. Like, we're going to look into him and like, oh, he's a nerd. Cool. <laughs> like, that's really what he's going to be. But And that's fine. That's what they're supposed to be. And I think that's probably going to be the next thing you're going to see. And then you're probably going to hear about the head coach thing come July when they finally finish the season down in Orlando at Disney World or whatever they decide to do. Yep. I and they said that they wanted to, to meet with all these guys, too, all the staff and employees as well. So if that's actually true, we could hold, be holding out for a while longer. So if anybody, any, any disgruntled Bulls fan about Jim Boylan is listening to this podcast, for one, he will be in the basement with a red stapler. A, he, he, he will is now Milton from the office. <laughs> now, he's now Milton from the office, so he doesn't matter, and he will be fired. He will. Just, just trust and us on this one. And then he's going to threaten to burn down the Advocate Center. Put a burn this place down. <laughs> oh, Jesus, man. I'm going to. Oh, my God. I about, I about fell off my stool. <laughs> that right, went but, so far off the rails. That was great. That was great. Um, you guys want to, you guys want to wrap? Yep. Let's do it. All right. Cool. Um, so, quick note, too, uh, for all our listeners out there, Dan took his final two firefighter exams correct so he's waiting to hear back he thinks he i believe he thinks he crushed it um yeah. that's that's, yeah. that's a good feeling so we might have um you're gonna find out this week uh, i find out yeah I, I mean i've got little to no doubt that i passed both of my final exams but it looks like and the academy's gonna be done as of may 12th oh. time to go this go to the streets here soon friends i, I have a fireman joke set up and ready to roll whenever he gets it so I'm very proud of it. Backdraft is a great movie. So I watched Backdraft. That's the extent I know of firefighting. Backdraft. <laughs> Backdraft is a great movie. It has, it has not stood the test of time very well. No, it, it hasn't aged well. But <laughs> has there been since like a movie that has aged well that's now 20 years old is The Matrix. Watched that recently. You know they're making a they're making a fourth one. They are. Oh. And is Keanu Reeves going to play Keanu Reeves? Because that's yeah. what Keanu Reeves does, is play himself. Well, I was talking to my dad last night. I was like, isn't he dead? And he goes, well, maybe not. And I was like, that's true in movies. You can bring somebody back to life, right? right. Who knows? Spoilers. Um, Joe, who, what if someone hasn't seen Matrix 3? Then that's their own problem. God, spoilers. <laughs> and we're going to confuse the millennials in our audience who have the no Matrix. idea. Milton, the, who, or oh, yeah. Milton... Or Milton with the with Office Space. Watch Office people... Space. You need to watch Office Space. If you haven't yeah. seen Office Space, it's <laughs> gonna it's gonna make ask... so much. If you work in corporate culture, watch that fucking movie because Why it's gonna make 
It, it's a, it hits your right. It's a bullseye right on it. Has anyone ever asked you if you have a case of Mondays? Fuck no, man. Kick someone's ass for that. <laughs> uh, all right, boys. Let's uh, let, let's wrap it up, and uh, we'll see everybody next week. Hope everybody enjoys the episodes five and six of the Last Dance. I know we're pretty pumped about it tonight. Yep, yep. Um, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Let's and get weird. We'll just kind of figure out what, we're, what our topic is next week. If nothing happens, eh, we might swing it. You know, right. we'll, we'll figure it out, right? So we're not good at that, though. Oh, we're fantastic at that. We got a Home Depot joke. We got the Red Staple joke. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Before we go off the rails one more time, this has been Dan, Ross, and Joe. We are the three alphas, and we'll catch you all next episode. Bye. The inbounds pass comes into Jordan. Here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Good! The Bulls win! They win it! Michael Jordan hits it at the foul line. One to 100. Fast deflected, stolen by Noah. Noah on the runway. Noah with the right hand and gun. Counted the foul. I don't believe what I just saw. Here comes Chicago. 17 seconds. 17 seconds from game seven or from championship number six. Jordan. Open. Chicago with the lead. The Chicago Bulls have won their sixth. NBA championship.